We are talking about a new series today, and it's going to be, we're calling it Gifted. And you can see, I'll explain more in the coming weeks about, about that subtitle, but I want to start right there with Gifted. How many, how many feel like you're gifted in one way or another? <laughs> you're too humble to raise your hands. I know, I know. But you know, when they do studies and, and, and uh, surveys with people, most people feel like they're gifted at least in one area or something. They feel like they're good at something, and that's a good thing. I mean, it just shows kind of a kind of a positive mental attitude. And, and the fact is, you know, we, we define gifted in a lot of ways. You know, sometimes we would say that means that you have some special abilities or greater abilities than normal, right? Does that make sense? And then, of course, you know, in our day and age, superheroes are such a big thing and they're, they're gifted in other ways, you know. And, and I always, I, anytime I go to a superhero movie and they, they seem like they come out three or four a summer these days, and that's, that's fine. I enjoy them. It's fun to just, just dream about what could be, but I'm curious, what, what are some of those abilities you wish you had? Anybody have a favorite one you wish you had? Flying, I heard flying, a lot of flying actually. Anybody else? Strength, invisibility, those, those are all ones I have written down because those are common ones I think we'd want. Any, any others? Telekinesis, being able to move objects. Oh, healing, wouldn't that be amazing? Oh my goodness. Anything else? Okay, you, you know what usually people mention is uh, being able to read minds, and then the more you think about that, I'm not sure that's a good thing. I think those filters that we have are probably pretty good, and you don't always want to know. I, I know my mind, I mean, there's things I think, and like, why did I think that? I can't believe I thought that. I, I'd be so embarrassed if people th- knew I thought that, and I didn't mean to think that, I just thought it. So is it me or not me? I can't, I don't know. But, but the fact is, I mean, I know a lot of us, we wish that we had those powers, and, and some of the... Some of the movies, you know, and I, I, th- I think it might even be Spider-Man. I don't know. He's one of my favorites. But as you look at that, there's, there's this line that comes with this. Do you remember this? With great power comes great responsibility. You ever think about that? I mean, that responsibility that would come with that kind of power. And, and I think all of us maybe have thought of or maybe you've seen a movie where that great power is used irresponsibly, irresponsibly and you see the issues and, and problems that that could create. And another line I think goes along with that really well is always use your power for good. As I always drop my kids off for school, I always tell them that as they get out of the car. Always use your power for good. I, sometimes I tell them to be kind to animals too, but, but mainly it would be always use your power for good. And I know a lot of times they would look at me like, Dad, you're weird. And I, I'm okay with that, honestly, because I, I was actually saying something to them that I don't know that they ever fully would grasp. And I would tell each of you the same thing, every single one of you, because the fact is, people don't always realize their giftedness or the power they have. Have you noticed that? And maybe you live with somebody who, maybe they talk down or, or don't see themselves the way you see them, and you think the world of them, and, and for some reason they don't see it, or, or they don't understand the effect they have on people, and maybe, maybe that's you, but the fact is, we have, we all walk around with tremendous power Tremendous power. And you may not think of it like this, but there, there are gifted things that you do every day and you don't realize it. I, 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 don't know if, I don't know if you can fully understand or grasp the power, for instance, of a smile. Have you ever felt that power, though? Have you ever been walking in some place and somebody just is happy and they smile and they greet you and there's something comforting about that. There's something that... That, that pulls all the, all the stress down a little bit. And maybe you felt that. Maybe you've walked in and somebody's like super imposing or some big person and, and they smile and you're like, oh, 
wow, they're, they're nice. Or maybe you've been having a bad day and somebody gives you that smile. That is power. And it's power that I challenge you to use for good. There's so many things like that. I think about kindness and the simple act of kindness and how it can change somebody's day. And something simple like, like picking something up that somebody maybe dropped or, or, or maybe opening the door for somebody. or Those little simple courtesies that, that change life. It changes the course of the daily life of somebody that's, that's going through something. And it, it, it's, it's funny that way. How about the power in your words? You ever thought about that? There's tremendous power in the words we use. Power to to curse, power to bless, power to to brighten somebody's day, power to bring them down. And Maybe you've been having a bad day and and something happens and somebody somebody does something that's maybe inconsiderate or something and you have a choice at that moment to use your power for good or not. The way you respond, the way you react, what you say, you, you, you could change the course of that person's entire day, maybe their whole life. There's been study after study done and and, uh, you know, having many years worked with, with kids in the urban core, and it's, it was always amazing to me how I'd, I'd work with a family, and may, maybe they have three or four or five kids or more or whatever, and, and, and one child seems to overcome all the things that have gone on in their, their home and life, and, and you wonder, why, why did, I mean, all the other kids were here, but th- that one, and they trace it back sometimes to just one person in their life who said something that empowered them. It might have been simple, like, you did really well in this. I think you're good at this. And all the negative voices are drowned out by that one thing that was said. That's power. It's power. It's, it's a superpower that you may not even think about. Some of you don't realize the power you have in just the example you live. And the fact that people are watching you day in, day out. And, and you're not doing things to, to show off or to, to demonstrate or to illustrate. But, but the way you respond and the, and the way you bear up under difficulty, that is powerful. And people watch it. And they, they, they say, well, they can do it. I can do it. <laughs> this, this older lady. And when I say older, I'm talking older than me. I'm, I mean, you can judge wherever you want how old this person was. But I was at the gym the other day, and she, she stops me. And I was kind of in my own world, and she stops me, and she says, you're an inspiration. And I'm like, okay. And she said, no, really, if, if, if you ever see me dragging or acting like I don't want to be here, you come to me and tell me to get with it, and I can do it. I don't even know you. Why are you even saying that? And I, at, at the time, I'm thinking, why is she saying this to me? I, oh, it's because I have a prosthetic leg. Somehow that inspires you that if I can do this, even though you're older than me, you can do it. I, okay, I get it. I get it. Okay. Not the way I want to inspire people necessarily. <laughs> it's like, wish it was something else. But you know what? That's fine. It, it worked. I'll take it. That's fine. If that inspires you, rock on. But you never know what people are seeing. You know something else interesting? Study again, study after study shows that if you spend a moment, take a moment and notice somebody and actually connect. And, and again, and I, 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 I think studies will continue to be done on this, but, but I was just reading about this this week and talking about, you know, with our technology age. And, and you know, I'm not, I'm not, this is not going to be another one of those, oh, you go to the restaurant, everybody's on their phone. But... How many times have you been somewhere and everybody's on their phone? And what that means is they're, they're connecting maybe in a digital sense with somebody, but they're not connecting with the people that are right there. And, and we, have, we live in a world today where there's less and less of that personal interaction. And the fact is, as human beings, God made us for community. 
Now, there is something to be said for the digital com- communication and, and connection. I'm not, I'm not even really drawing a juxtaposition between those things. Here's what I'm saying. In a positive sense, there is power in noticing somebody, stopping and saying, uh, genuinely, how are you? And listening for a response. And then maybe remembering a previous conversation or interaction. And what, if You mentioned something that was going on with your mom or your family. How, how was that going? And to watch their face like, they remembered. They know me. I matter. Did you know that, uh, I know not everybody's a touch person, but did you know that there's study again, study after study, that talks about importance of touch? And maybe in, in your psychology classes, you know, in high school or college, you learned about how, how babies, if, if left alone and not touched, their, 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 their entire development as a human being is, is slowed down. And, and just the fact of touch can change everything. And that doesn't stop once you get into adulthood. And yet we live in a society where obviously we're a little touch phobic and there's reason for that. But the fact is that even that is a power that you probably don't realize you have. You know what it does? Here's why it's so powerful. That power, it goes into everything because it communicates on on really a a subconscious level an an acceptance of people, a fact that you're okay. I, 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 I like you. I have a connection with you. And that does something inside people that is remarkable. It's powerful, powerful, powerful. It communicates that there's worth involved, that, that there's love, that they're worthy of love, that you appreciate them. When I said to my kids, always use your power for good, I'm talking about every one of those things. Every classroom you go into, every interaction you have with people, every response you make, everybody you see who needs to be noticed and needs to be cared for and needs to be sat by and talked to, that is power. Think about this for a minute, though. We all have different personalities, and I I believe those are gifts from God as well. We We tend to think our personality is the best one, though, don't we? And people like us are whatever the whole world needs. But the fact is, God has made each one of us different and given us different gifts and personalities, and we are gifted in different ways, and it's up to you then with that great power to understand the great responsibility you have and to use it. Some of you, I know my my mom is in town, and it's good to see you. She didn't want to sit on the front row. I don't understand that, but I'm just kidding. uh, She's here, and the whole time she's been here, I've been thinking about, okay, you know, know, because I don't get to see her as much as I'd like. And, and we were talking a little bit of, I have an older sister, and talking about the different personalities, and, and, and maybe what my sister got from my dad's side, or my mom, you, you know how we do that? And you inherit that to some degree from, from family, I mean, there's, there's always that, and, and yet, I don't know how about you, but I know, I know a few sets of twins, and of course, when you first see them, if they're identical twins, it can be difficult sometimes to tell them apart, especially if they dress more similar. You know, if they dress totally different, that, that helps us out who don't know them as well. But, but the more you get to know them, what do you find? They're different. There's drastic differences. And any of you with more than one child, you know how it is. You have children who are raised in the same home and yet drastically different personalities. And that's just how God made us. He made us in such a way that, that he gave us these gifts and he gave us for a reason. And they're different to meet different needs and to reach out to different people. And all of that is power. But let me ask you getting to closer to what we're talking about with this series, why did God give us those gifts? Why does he do it? What's the motivation? Even as we're looking at this great power, with great power comes great responsibility. The fact is, you having these powerful gifts could use them for your own good, right? Selfish motivations, manipulation, 
There's times where even naturally we do that to some degree or another. But my question is, does God give us those gifts for just ourselves or does he give them to us to bless other people? Yeah, it's too obvious of a question, isn't it? I mean, the answer was embedded right there. You, there's no secret. That's where we're going today. So if you want to know the end of the class, I guess you can leave now. He gives you gifts for other people, not just for you. Now, Pastor Jeremy started off today talking about, don't we all love getting gifts? And we do, right? I mean, different people are different. I mean, if you're a gift person, you can't wait to get it and unwrap it. And, and the gift itself is such a big thing. But, but here's the thing with the gifts God gives. It's not just for you. It's not just for you to take home and play it by yourself and nobody else can join in. The fact is, he gives you gifts and even, I would say, even your personality to bless the rest of us. That's why he does it. He is all about relationship and all about community. Now, again, those things he gives us, uh, we, we all want those gifts. And, and I think we all suffer from this to one degree or another. We look at other people with different gifts and we think, I wish I had that. And our attitude seems to be sometimes that, that those gifts are things that God would just, you know, we'd wake up in the morning and it would be sitting there beside our bed and you open it and you have it. And let me just say this, though. A lot of times the gifts you see that people operate in and enjoy, they actually worked for them and they continue to. But you don't see that. All you see is the end product or you see what you see. And the fact is you don't see everything behind the scenes. I, I don't want to put... Um, I don't want to make her self-conscious, but where I'm sitting right here, I can watch, you know, Mary Bubolt's play piano, and I, I actually took piano lessons as a kid. I'm almost embarrassed to admit that, and I can still play quite a few things, but as I watch her, that is amazing, but guess what? She practices. She still practices. She's, she's probably, conservatively, my estimate would be 200 times better than me. <laughs> conservative estimate um but she still practices you know when the last time i practiced was never ever i can ask my mom i remember the day that i went to my piano lesson and it was probably my last lesson and uh, ms keener do you remember ms keener she turned to me and she said you know dennis you are a really good sight reader but if you would practice you you could actually be good at this and then I was just kind of staring at her like, oh, gosh, she found me out. Like, you can tell. And she's like, yeah. So here's the thing. If you're not going to practice, I'm not going to take your money anymore. And we're going to stop doing this. And I remember just thinking, wow, I thought I was doing pretty good. I thought I was fooling everybody. But I wasn't. I, 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 I've thought many times over the years, man, I wish I had practiced. But guess what? I, I still didn't practice. I still didn't do it. I didn't do the basic work that it would take to develop that gift. Now, God, God gives us gifts, but, but it's up to you then to take that and work and to practice and achieve and to pursue and to do something more with it than just have it as a gift. Think about a lot of things in life are like that. You know, you, 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 you see somebody and, you know, you, you don't see what's behind it all. I mean, you see somebody who, who maybe is, you know, fit or into fitness and, and all of us want to be that, but very few of us want to do the basics of taking in less calories and burning more calories, right? I mean, that's basically it. There is no trick to it. That's it. But nobody wants to do that. I don't want to do that. I mean, that's hard to do. I, I, I would rather not do that. I don't want to do the work that it takes to make that happen. I hate to admit that. You see people with money and you think, man, they're lucky. And you realize, well, wait a minute. 
there's hard work and sacrifice that went in behind the scenes that you have no idea of and you're not willing to do. You know, you think about the Dave Ramsey deal and it's, you want to live like no one else, you got to live like no one else. And people don't want to live like no one else, they just want to live like no one else without doing the work that it takes to live like no one else, right? <laughs> you want to have a different job or be out of debt or have a great marriage or great relationships, you got to work on that. You just can't fly by with what God has given you because with that power comes great responsibility. It's how it works. He's built it into this world that you at some level need to work at this. What we're going to do in this series, we're going we're to talk about a lot of gifts, but the gift we're going to start with, we're going to talk about, we're going to go to the book of Ephesians right here in a second. And this is a book that was written by the Apostle Paul to a church that was in a place called Ephesus. That's on the western side of Turkey today. But at the time he wrote it was at the time of the city's height of influence in the world. It was a Greek city at the time. It was founded in about the 100th century B.C. And then when Paul wrote, and then it was later destroyed by, I think it was destroyed by the, by the Goths in uh, like the 3rd century A.D., But when he wrote to this church, it was in a thriving community, in a thriving place, and it was a growing church. So Paul at the time is a prisoner. We call it one of the prison letters, the prison epistles. And here's what he writes. I, therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. I see I made a mistake there. It's Ephesians 4, not not 1. For you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. A lot of times we call this the, uh, the instruction manual on how to do church. Now, all the, all the letters in the New Testament were written to churches, but, but this one in particular lays out a lot of things about how to get along together in a church. And, and you can see what it says, be humble with each other. You see that as a gift? Maybe not. But the ability to actually be humble and, and be gentle with people, that's a gift. Am I right? I mean, there are times where people get on your nerves and offend you. And it says right there, be patient with each other and make allowance for each other's faults because of your love. He goes on to say, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Look what he's concerned about. He's concerned that this group of people would get along And as they get along, he tells them, you need to be united in spirit. That's a choice you make. You right there are taking responsibility for your power, and you're choosing to use your power for good. And he says, there's one body and one spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope in the future, all about unity. He goes on to say, there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father over all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. He says that. It's an instruction manual. It's how he wants you to live. People united. And before we get too far, they're united, and and he's talking about the church, but he was talking about one body, one God, one Father, but there's a lot of churches, am I right? There's there's really churches everywhere. I was counting them today as I drove to church from my house, and, and I passed seven churches to get to this church. So he's not talking about a building, right? What's he talking about? You can, you can answer me. I was, that wasn't necessarily a rhetorical question. He's talking about all of us, right? He's talking about the people who make up the church. The church isn't a building. It's not geographical. It's people. It's us. 
the people of God. And the, and the way it works is that idea and that word church that he used in the original Greek, it, it, it meant a group of people who are united around a cause. It, it actually originally was a political term. As you can imagine, people who would unite for political causes. But it, but it easily worked for this because he's talking about us coming together around a cause. What was the cause? It was it, the cause was Christ. And Christ specifically gave us a cause. We call it the Great Commission. It's, it's kind of like the mission, the big mission of the church. Does anybody know what it is? This is Bible quiz now. <laughs> yeah, Matthew 28. He says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So what's the cause? The cause is telling people this good news. It's telling people what has happened. His cause that he gave to the church, well, what, Crown Point Church? Well, yes, by extension of you, because you're part of the whole body of Christ. Every Christian, this is your marching orders. And, and then, he, then he next talks about the great commandment. The man answered, they were quizzing Jesus, and Jesus says, well, what do you think is the, second, the most important, uh, whatever, he says, a commandment. He says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, and mind, and then love your neighbor as yourself. <laughs> this, is, this is it. It's just the same thing we as a church say is our mission. Love God, love others. Do you, you see that, right? Okay. Remember, you're gifted not for you, but what? For, for others. And, and what are you gifted for others to accomplish? To bring them to Christ. Our whole mission on this earth as Christians is to make more Christians. That's what we're supposed to be doing. That's the whole idea behind what he set us up to do. He's gifted you to do that, to actually help other people become Christians. And now jumping back into the book of Ephesians, he says, it's supposed to be 4-7. Does that bother anybody but me? I'm sorry, it's just, okay. However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. Now, if I were to go around each of you and say, what's your gift? What's your gift? You know, some of you might know or have an idea of what I'm talking about. Some of you are like, well, I'm not even sure. I don't even know. But it says right here in the Bible, he's given each one of us a special gift by the generosity of Christ. God is a generous gift giver. You may not have thought of that before, but he is. He's a generous, generous gift giver. He wants to give you gifts. Why do you think he wants to give you gifts? Because he likes you? Well, that's part of it. Why else would he give you a gift? What? So, so you to use it. And what would he want you to use it for? To build a mission. Do you see that? He, he gives you gifts so that you can actually accomplish the mission that he's asked you to accomplish. He's not a God that does this. And, and I, I think some people think it's like this, but it's not like he says, okay, I have this big job for you to do. Now go do it on your own strength and I hope it works out. No. What he does is he says, I want you to do this and now I'm going to give you the gifts so that you can actually do what I ask you to do. He's not trying to frustrate you. He's not trying to do any of that. The fact is he wants to give you gifts. And the whole idea is that you would accomplish that mission. So here it is again. Love God, love others. And the way we, we kind of flesh it out as a church is we say the idea is for you to go, connect, and grow. That's his mission for the church. And that's his mission for all of us as Christians. That's how it works. 
So are you curious about the gifts? What gift has he given you? Well, now we got the four in there. Ephesians 4.11, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. You happy with that gift? It's kind of funny, though. I, thought, I wrote it down here. I even put a smiley face in my notes because um, we're the gifts. I'm the gift. Pastor Jeremy's the gift. Pastor, Pastor Nick's the gift. I have to be honest with you. I, as I was preparing this, I thought, oh, that sounds so self-serving. It sounds so ridiculous. I wonder if they like the gift that Jesus gave. I'm the gift. Um, no, 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 no. I, my, my point is it's kind of humbling, actually, to think of myself as a gift to you. Actually, it's really hard to even say that out. It's one thing to write it. It's another thing to say it out loud. I'm God's gift to you. That sounds so weird. Okay, um, it's, it's humbling, it's an honor, it's, but it's also incredibly challenging. And, and, and really, anybody who's in this position should be very, very um, introspective. Because I need to know, how, how do I measure if I'm a good gift or not? I mean, really. Because you think, how do I know if, if I'm a good gift and this is a good thing that God chose to do? I mean, how do you measure that? You, you might say, well, you measure it by numbers. Well, okay, um, and numbers are important. Numbers serve a purpose. Um, if, if the number you're talking about is how many people are in the seats, that's important. But here's where it's really important is, is if we're accomplishing, what was the mission again? To love God, love others, to go, connect, go. If we're actually adding people to the kingdom, yes, then that's the mission. And that's important because if that's happening, if, if really as a gift, we're doing the right thing, then that should be happening. Seeing people come into the kingdom, the church, not, not a building, but the people of Christ. If that is growing and building, then yes, we're accomplishing the mission. So how are we gifts again? I mean, seriously, if I'm saying I'm God's gift to you, that sounds so funny. I'm God's gift to you. How is that? Well, thankfully, Paul doesn't leave us hanging there. He tells us. He says, their responsibility, so they're being the gifts to the church, pastors, teachers, apostles, evangelists, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. (laughs) I have to laugh because Paul just turned it around, didn't he? So, so is it my job to get all the people into church? Help me. Whose job is it? And what's my part in that? To equip you to do that, right? So whose job is it to build the church? Yes. Isn't that funny? That's kind of like if somebody gives you a workout machine, right? <laughs> like, hey, I'm giving you this gift. Now go work out, Right? right? <laughs> I mean, you think about how this works. But what God is saying here is uh, uh, we are given the pastors, the staff of the church. We're given to you, but not so that we do it all. The, The idea is that we would help you do it all. The idea is that we would equip you to actually accomplish that purpose. What was the purpose again? I know somebody in here is like, how can you keep forgetting that? That's just so easy. I don't know why. (laughs) You know, the thing is, we are supposed to equip you to do his work. You, you're supposed to do the work. And that mission, again, is to love God, love others, and to go, connect, grow. You're supposed to do that, not us. We're supposed to help you. do. Well, so what is his work then? How do, you, how do you define that? What is that? 
What's his work? This is not really a test. I just, but I would like some, you know. <laughs> what is his work? Reconciliation, okay. Uh, here's the thing. You know, all the things we do as a church, I, I remember years ago, this is a long time ago. In fact, it's so long ago. Uh, I was in a youth ministry training. I was a youth pastor. It's so long ago that the guy doing the training was using an actual chalkboard. No lie. That's how long ago it was. I know. Before whiteboards. I know some of you have never even seen that done. But we actually have a chalkboard here, and it's, it's just so nostalgic. But here's what he did. He had all the youth pastors there, and he had this chalkboard up on the stage. <laughs> he really did. And he goes, tell me what you all do all day. Tell me what your job is. What do you do in ministry? What do you do, actually do? Because the old, the old canard is, as a youth pastor is you just have fun and don't actually do anything. And you know, people call like, what do you do all day? You know, and, and I understand that. But we started writing, or he started yelling out things that we do, and he, he started writing them on the board. And, and everything from, you know, planning calendars, making phone calls, if you're going to do an event, you know, calling the place, setting it up, setting up transportation, making sure the bus is ready and equipped and got fuel, and, and talking to parents and counseling kids. And, I mean, there's, it's amazing. By the time we were done, he had filled up the entire chalkboard with things. Then he took a step back. This was an incredible paradigm shift in my whole ministry. Because I looked at that and that validated me. I do all that. Does that make sense? That means I'm important because I get all this done for God and the church and the people. Then he took a step back and he said, now which one of these things could only be done by you? <laughs> it was like, uh, maybe one thing, maybe the counseling thing, maybe. The rest of it could be done by all these people. And he said, if you equip them. But that's a lot more work, right? Because that means I have to plan ahead <laughs> and I have to have this worked out and I have to talk to people and make sure they're, they're ready to do it and then walk them through the process. And you know what? All the ministries we do here, our job is to equip you as, as we do this, whether it's worship or music or, or any of the art stuff we do or the, or the welcome or the people in the parking lot or the greeters or the ushers or, or youth volunteers or all of that are things that you do. You're the church. We're just here to equip you to do it. Outreach, connect groups, men's, women's, home groups, prime timers. I mean, all the things we do. And I love it. And it happens here at this church. So just let me, let me give you another picture of how this works. For instance, there's a couple's game night here tonight. I'm not in charge of that. We are excited it's happening, but there's people in the church making it happen. Uh, here's another thing we do. We, uh, maybe you've seen the advertisements for this already, but we've rented out Summit Waves. That's a little water park here in Lee Summit, community water park. We, we rented it out to equip you to invite friends of yours and family to fellowship there. And there is a purpose so that they could fellowship with other Christians and maybe want to join this group. Does that make sense? That's an outreach opportunity, but we've equipped you, but we don't go invite people, Right? We thought about that. Should we go to door to door and say, hey, you want to come to the pool with us? What are they going to say? Who are you? And why would I want to do that? And that's weird. But when you invite your family and friends, they say, well, yeah, I'd love to hang out with you. And, and what, your church is doing that? Yeah, they are. And then as they come and they fellowship and they get to know you, they're going to come to this church. Does that make sense? That's why we do that. We are equipping you to do the ministry, but you still have to do the ministry. 
Even the church picnic, which is in just a few weeks, you know, on the 3rd of June, it's something we do every year. But every year this happens, and I'm excited about it because people invite people who don't normally go to church, but they'll come to a picnic. And that's awesome because then we fellowship together and talk, and they meet people, and it may for them be just one more step to them walking in this door and hearing the gospel and becoming a Christian. As Pastor Jeremy talked about his own personal experience, he didn't even accept Christ in a church. He was on a curb. And I don't know if you noticed, he was starting to choke up there, and that made me start to choke up and think about that because it wasn't a professional Christian that led him to Christ. Do you see that? (laughs) I'm sorry, I joke about being a professional Christian because I get paid to be a pastor, which is a Christian, I'm a professional, right? And people think I need to be the one to pray at things and I need to be the one to talk to their friend or talk to somebody and I'm happy to do all that and I would do it in a heartbeat. But the fact is, we equip you to do it because you are more, more uniquely connected and situated. You have history. They know who you are. They trust you. They don't know me. I laugh about sometimes times where back in youth ministry days when I was in, you know, working in high schools a lot and, and I would walk up and, I mean, look at me. I would get stopped by security every single time. And I walk in and they're like, who are you and what are you doing here? You know, and then I explain it and I'm like, oh, okay. I'm not necessarily the best one to talk to your friends. You are. Your coworkers. I would never be on the job with you. You can be there. You do what I could never do. Our students who are, I mean, school is over, but, you know, as you're in class, have you ever thought about that, that unique time that, that in American society we're in school? I mean, it only lasts a little while. And there's students, you can maybe think back, those of you who've been out of school a while, you know, you can think back to different faces and people you only knew in that one class. But think about how it's arranged. You know, you, you sit in this one chair. Let's say you're not on the edge, but like you're in maybe the middle of a classroom. You're sitting here. There's somebody right in front of you, right behind you, then people on the sides, and then there and there. And you know you talked in class, right? And you had these little conversations. And for at least a window of time, you had relationship with people you didn't choose to hang out with. And you may not have had relationship with them before, after, or ever again. And you have this window that God places in your life. They say that, that your school years, at least in America, are the most integrated and the time where you will know the most people in your life. The rest of it are going to be maybe work situations or social situations with friends or neighbors, but it's never going to be that many people ever again. <laughs> and as a society, we bring everybody from everywhere into those schools, and you have a chance to minister that you will never have ever again. How long do we do this whole thing? Oh, 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 one more thing. On Father's Day, we, we try to do something a little different with Father's Day every year, and I've explained this every year, and I, I explain it on purpose. None of this is about entertainment, and, and I'm not against Christian entertainment, believe me. I, I, I love to be entertained, but it's not just about us, right? It's about them. It's about people who don't know. And, and, and if you haven't got that yet, I'm not trying to lay a guilt trip on you. I'm just trying to reorient your thinking to not just enjoy things for just you, but bring somebody along, invite them along. You know, I, I, we try to do something a little different on Father's Day, you know, where, whereas a lot of times moms will come to church and kids will say, what do you want for Mother's Day? And they'll say, come to church with me. And they do. A lot of times it's, it's your fathers and dads and uncles and, and brothers who are not necessarily as involved in church. So, so we've, we've done a lot of different things here. And the whole idea behind it is to just kind of break out of the, the norm and, and maybe get a guy into church who normally wouldn't go to church. So this year, we got a call from, how many remember the power team from back in the day? They're still a thing. I didn't know. 
But John Jacobs, the guy who started the whole thing, evidently his son is going to be playing quarterback over here at Avila. So he wanted to be in town at Father's Day, so they called. And I said, really? Really? I thought it was a prank at first. Like, really? He goes, yeah. So they will be here on Father's Day, and they're going to do a power team thing, and he's going to preach, and it will be a gospel message. And the idea is you bring people, right? I can't do that. You have to do that. And there may be somebody, and I, I, it's not for everybody. I, I know not everybody cares if you can rip a phone book in half. I mean, probably not going to come up. I don't even know where I can. I'm, I'm supposed to find. Anybody have a phone book, by the way? Because I got to get phone books. And I'm like, I have no idea where to get a phone book anymore even. But they need phone books. And, you know, they'll break some bats and do some crazy strength things. And that's awesome. But it's not just for the entertainment. I don't, you know, in the end, you, you could probably be entertained better somewhere else, honestly. It's not about that. It's about getting somebody to come to church who most of the time wouldn't come, and you have an opportunity to do that. So how long do we keep doing this thing, this equipping thing? Paul tells us. Kind of funny, actually. He says, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we have been sure in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So how long do we do it? Uh, forever till you figure it out forever because we never figure it out right he, we're going to do this forever until we're all mature i mean I, I know some of you who are far more well most of you are more mature than me but but the thing is none of us are going to ever reach that and we're going to be doing this for a long time for a long time we're going to be equipping you to do the work of the gospel and you keep doing the work and more people come and then they do the work and that's how it's supposed to work then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church, and he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. Look, you can read gift right there. You all have a gift a gift that I don't have or a gift that the person next to you doesn't have. And we all have a purpose in doing all that. And, and he makes the whole body fit together as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. You are gifted. You are so gifted. And your gift, the whole point of the gift is to bless other people. and never stops. So here's some things to keep in mind just to, just to finish up here. God's on a mission. What was his mission? No, really, what, what was his mission? I'm doing this on purpose, not because I forgot, I, I know, all right? It's because the more you say it, the more it sinks into a different part of your brain. I don't know if you knew that or not. That's part of the whole deal of repetition and, and teaching and the reason it's on the screen. We're trying to address all those ways, that different ways that we learn. You know, some of you already got it because you're auditory, I get it. Some of you are more visual and you've seen it there. Some of you need to repeat it because as you repeat it, it sinks deeper in mind. I want you to understand that God's mission never stops. His mission, he loves you so much. He loves the people who still don't know. He loves the lost so deeply that he never stops the mission. And you, he's all about that. The mission is to love others, to go, connect, connect, grow. All of that. Does anybody know what today is? Special day in the life of the church. It's Pentecost Sunday. Anybody tell me what that is? In a nutshell, real quick, not the. It was when they were filled with the Holy Spirit. But let me tie it into church history and to Jewish history. What does pente mean? 50, Pentecost. It's, it's, it's a celebration. It was a feast day that the Jews would celebrate 50 days after what? Passover. And Passover is the week that what happened? 
Jesus was the Passover lamb. So 50 days later, Jesus kept telling his disciples, wait, 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 wait in Jerusalem, and I'm going to give you a gift. A comforter will come, and he told them over and over and over. So they were there all in one accord. There's there's this little video clip. I just want to show this to you to illustrate the day. Pentecost is big, but here's what I want you to be looking for. What was the purpose? What was the goal? Was it just for us to enjoy? No, seriously, was it for us to enjoy? Take a look. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem, and when they heard the loud noise, everyone came running. They were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages, and We all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there, amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk, that's all. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen, listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit, even on my servants men and women alike, and they will prophesy, and I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark, and the moon will turn blood red before that great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What you heard was directly out of Acts chapter 2. Those words are actually the words in the scripture. What was the purpose? To share the gospel. Do you see that? Even that gift, the whole motivation and reason is because God wants everybody to be saved. Everybody to know. That's what he wants. That's his mission. And you're part of the mission. That's why God sent us as gifts. I got to say it one more time. I am God's gift to you so that you can do the mission. That's the whole point, so that you can accomplish the mission. It's, it's, the fact is, he, it's, it's almost like the old, uh, the, old, the old line, it's your mission should you choose to accept it. It's to complete the Great Commission. That's it. And we're a gift for that reason. So here's the thing. In the coming weeks, we're going to talk about the other gifts that God has given us to accomplish that mission. 
And we'll, we'll talk about that. It's, it's, the idea is he wants to reach those who are lost, those who are seekers, those who've walked away from church and faith, those, those who are hurt, those who are lonely. His heart is for them. So I'm going to ask you to shut your eyes for a second, just for a second. And I want you to think about this from everybody's eyes closed. Are you ready to join the mission? Are you ready for that? I'm, I'm asking you seriously because God offers that to you. We're here to equip you, but, but you have to think it through and agree. Yes, I'm willing to be part of the mission. I'm just curious, though. Would you raise your hand? Are you, part, are you willing to be part of the mission? Are you willing to do that, take on that mission? All right. I appreciate your, you, you saying yes to that. Here's the next thing. This question's um, the most important question because this is the mission. I'm wondering if anybody here today, you're sitting here and you're thinking, I do want to be part of the mission, but I'm actually one of those. I'm one of those who still haven't joined this, this Christian thing. I, I, I hear what you're saying about God, and if all that's true, then I need him in my life, and I want him to change me. Anybody here like that, that you say, yes, that is me. I am the lost, the, hung, the hurting, the lonely. Anybody like that, you would raise your hand. All right. I see those hands, and I appreciate that honesty. I'd like you all to pray with me, um, and especially you, those of you who raised your hand. It's, it's a simple thing. It's basically we're going to pray a prayer that's, that acknowledges the fact that God loves us, that he sent his son to die for our sins, that his, his sacrifice cleanses us from our sins, and God will come and live in us and make us new. Would you all repeat this after me? Father God, I'm sorry for the things that I've done that were wrong. I want to live for you. I want you to make me new. Thank you for that. Amen. It's really, really that simple. Now, as you head out for this day, Pastor Jeremy's coming to, to give us a, just a couple of announcements and kind of close us out today. But, but I want you to think about your mission at every moment. And whatever you do, please use your power for good.